what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rappin' with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Burkelhammer, and each episode we have guests from the reef keeping community. And today I am very fortunate to have Richard back from the Aficionado channel on Reefs.com on the show. Richard, I really appreciate it. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Good to see you as well, Keith, well, and thank you for having me. It's a tremendous honor to be featured in your show. Oh, well, thank you so much. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> so what's what's going on, man? These are nutty times here, and, and uh, you know, obviously, we're spending a lot of quality time at home. I guess you are doing the same, but uh, what's going on down in Florida with you and the COVID-19 situation? Uh, you know that in the head when you said it was a little nutty. <laughs> so we're we're trying to take it as you know like as a blessing in disguise in a sense. Try to be optimistic as much as we can because you know like these days it's hard for us to spend this much time with our family. You know like so I'm trying to absorb it everything as as a blessing so that I could watch my kids grow and progress and you know like kind of like homeschool the whole homeschooling the kids is something kind of like a it's something that you will not get to experience i think and hopefully not in our in our lifetime you know so i'm trying to take it as as a blessing for now spending a lot of time with your tanks oh definitely definitely i mean as you can see behind me i have a new tank set up it's you know it's it definitely helps to uh release that tension as well as you know, put put your creativity and your energy and focus towards something yep. else. Definitely. So let's uh, let's go in the uh, way back machine uh, here and and uh, let's talk about how you got into the hobby. How did how did you get started in reef keeping? Oh man, that's actually a very long and depressing story. I don't know if you want to go back all that back, but <laughs> you go back as far uh, as you want to go my back. Reef <laughs> my reef keeping story is actually not a very good one. Um, I always kind of like a kept uh, fish only tanks and I never wanted to delve into a reef tank period because, you know, like when you keep reefs, you know, you have to, you know, constant water parameters, water, like more frequent water changes. It just had a lot more work and effort that you had to put into the tank. And I never wanted to do that. And I was more of a, more of a fish person anyways, because I love engaging with fish. I love, you know, trigger fish. I love puffer fish when they come up to you and beg for food. I mean, who doesn't like that kind of animal behavior, you know? And uh, the how I got into the hobby and the whole reef uh, keeping side, something that I to told myself that I would never do, was uh, I uh, I lost uh, I lost a child. Um, he was a two years old, a toddler, and to a uh, sudden unexpected death syndrome. And uh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, when that happened, um, you know, like as many parents who might have dealt with that situation, I was going through very rough time, uh, both me and my wife, and I wasn't sleeping much. And I was being very destructive. And, and I noticed one day that my wife was having a really tough time and me being on that destructive path wasn't helping either of us. So I needed to put my focus on something else and to keep myself more creative. And I used to have a chair, a little rocking chair, that me and my boy used to sit in front of our tank while we fed the fish, 
we just sat there and just, just watched the tank as they devoured the, the food, where they swam around, and that kind of engaging behaviors. And I was just sitting one day, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to gut this whole system, and I'm going to make it a full-blown race. And that's how I got into the hobby. And I, you know, and naturally, I like to help people because, you know, like as I dove into it, you know, you, you find, you, you, I think many of us can relate when corals do really well, when they grow and they just flourish and everything just looks nice, it's very rewarding. You can see Zoanthus, you know, like had like one or two heads and all of a sudden it has like five or 10 heads. It's very rewarding to see that kind of growth. And you kind of want it to, you know, like share that joy with others. You know, you don't, you don't want anybody else to have to go through any kind of a crash, heartaches, stuff like that from our, you know, amazing hobby. So that's how I got into the hobby. And that's how I got into the whole YouTube thing, because I learned from YouTube that you could actually help a lot more people that way, not just your local, you know, like community, but the whole, I mean, the world, you know, because it's open, open web, you know? So that's how I got into the hobby. And that's how I got into the whole YouTube thing. That's in a nutshell. Yeah. Listen, um, Richard, that that is uh, that is some story, and and we're getting some comments. Sorry for your loss, and I, that 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 has really got to be just a very hard thing to. I can't even imagine that, but I think the, the positive is, is that uh, you know you found reef keeping, and and a, a bunch of people have been helped by I think you know by by finding you and connecting with you on whether it's on YouTube or or trade shows or through Reefs.com. We'll talk all about all that stuff. You've got your hands on a lot of different things in, in this hobby. And uh, we really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it's something that has become more, evolved more into a passion because I, I was more always a curious person. And uh, when I was going through this, you know, our hobby, as you know, is a very, it looks, it feels like a, such a huge hobby, but once you get into it, it's very close knit family. And everybody just, you know, like embraced me with open arms. And this is just such a wonderful hobby. Then, and I'm just glad to be part of it. So let's talk about uh, your tanks. And, and we're, before we went on, we were starting to talk a little bit about your tanks. And, and you said that you've got a, a new nano tank that you set up a few months ago. And you know what? I can, I can run. You put together a video of that, a couple of minute uh, video. So why don't I run that and you just talk about that tank for running that uh, clip? Sure. 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 Um, so, well, I don't have my laptop in front of me right now, uh, so I, I'm just going to go on the fly. But this tank is a 25-gallon tank from JBJ. Um, to be honest, I wasn't really aware that JBJ made tanks like this. Um, I always found them to be like nanocube style or like freshwater type of style, but I was pleasantly surprised at what they had to offer. Um, um, from different type of trade shows that we both attend to, like Repapaloozas or Global Pet Expos and such. Um, I, one thing that I really liked about this tank was that it had a good filtration uh, section in the back. Like a lot of uh, downside to all-in-one tanks is a small amount of filtration section in the back. I mean, these tanks are really great because you don't have to have sums and et cetera, but you, you always have to fight for that space. And one thing that, I, that, that stood out to me was the filtration was really good and back, back area. It had a lot of room to put whatever I wanted. I put a skimmer in there, I put uh, media in there, and I just picked this one up and just started up. It's, uh, 
in there, I started, I originally had a 10-gallon uh, IM Nouveau, and I wanted to do something more, but as, you know, like nanotanks, you hit limitations pretty quickly, and, you know, like when you get a bit with the reef bug, you always want to go a little bigger, a little bigger, and that's basically what happened. This was coming from a kitchen stand, like on a kitchen counter. Talked to my wife into it. Now it's just sitting inside the middle of their living room. Her condition was that it had to look beautiful. It had to look like a furniture grade, not like somebody DIY'd it. So I was like, okay, let's go ahead and do that. And I just, you know, like pillaged and like <laughs> cherry picked every coral vendor, every coral, uh, you know, like uh, wholesale facilities that I'm friends with. It's like, I like this one. I like this one. And I started putting, putting together a quite a nice. Uh, uh, you know, at ecosystem, and I'm so far I'm very pleased with how everything came out. Um, because this is gonna be very low maintenance tank. Um, I've been focusing more on stuff that my wife likes, and what she likes is more of LPS tanks, like where things that sway. So I created a utility garden with torch garden on one side. I created a hammer garden on the other side, and I put a whole bunch of different type of gonoporas, albioporas and such and a lot of different uh, softies that like such as recordias or blastos that my wife likes so how much rock do you have in there i mean is that pretty much your biological filtration is and is that uh did you start that with dry rock or is that live rock um everything actually is pretty much live um because i cycled these rocks in other tanks and the other ones i had it in my other sump on my 210 gallon main display and the sump i had in here, I think I have about like maybe about 15 pounds of rock, but I also have, you know, those uh, biomedias that they sell these days. Uh, eShop have these uh, long, uh, like a very space-saving, but tall, but, you know, slim. They have those kind of biomedia, and I put them into the filtration section, and they said that one of those little cubes was equal to like one pound of rock, and I think I have like 40, 50 of them. Well, I'll tell you, for, for only being a few months old, that tank is rocking. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's uh, you know, it's 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 passion, you know. So and when you when you see something alive and thriving, you know, it's our it's our it's our responsibility as a hobbyist to give them a condition that they could thrive. What uh, what kind of lighting do you have over it? On this one, I have an Ecotech XR15 Pro. Uh, this is a Gen 4. Um, I've been having tremendous success with them, and I'm very happy with a lot of different uh, features that, that that's available with me. So you also have a larger tank, but um, that's sort of in transition now, you are telling me, before the uh, show. Yes, yes. Right yes, now, yes. Right now, um, it's under construction. It's always under construction. You know, like it's it's something that, you know, when you go to all these trade shows and you are exposed to so many different things, you all kind of want to try everything, different stuff, you know, like leading edge, you know, tech. Uh, right now, I, I, I'm I trying out the eShop's new sump, so I'm in transition to bring, uh, bring that out. And uh, there's different type of, uh, you know, like testers and such, you know, like those auto testers. I'm trying those things on and different type of power heads. I'm trying actually four different power heads in my system right now. But as you can imagine, just wires everywhere. And yeah. Something that, something that I need to fix uh, during this uh, lockdown. Oh, man, you should see my wire management. It sucks. <laughs> it, is, it is like a freaking well, bird's hopefully. nest. Yeah, yeah. But have you uh, have you seen those uh, from Coralview the the wave engine? They had this uh, this controller type 
of a box. Basically, it eliminates all the power bricks for every single uh, wave uh, wave makers. All the popular ones out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about. Yeah, I might have to look into that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do with my new one because I always like that gyre uh, powerheads as so is, and then I have two MP MP60s on one side, and I have the two Neptune system waves, and then I have uh, right now I also tried CJ, and then I'm also trying the 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 gyre ones. So I was like, you know what, I can get rid of the two gyres, I get rid of the two MP60s, and then that would by itself get rid of four bricks. You know, I'm not gonna keep, I'm only gonna keep few of them. So I was like, you potentially could eliminate a lot of different power bricks out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, remind me, you, that's, a, that's a mixed reef, right? You've got uh, LPS and SPS in that reef? On the main tank, yeah. yes. Um, I always kept the mixed tank because, you know, like when you scuba dive in the ocean, you don't find one specific type of coral, but you see everything. And so, I mean, it's just I like to recreate what I see and what I see from the documentaries and such. And, you know, it's just, our ocean has so much more to offer and then just one specific type of coral. Yep, so, so you've been, um, you know, and we're, we're gonna get more into what you're doing in terms of the, the reef keeping business, but you've, you've been, like you've been alluding to, you've been exposed to a lot of different uh, pieces of equipment and methodologies and all that sort of thing. For you as a reef keeper, um, what are your beliefs? I mean, do you have some, some like foundation in terms of you know, a certain way you like to run a reef tank? Are there uh, philosophies that you abide by when you're, uh, yes. you know, doing a reef? Yes. Um, yes, I do. Uh, and the thing is, people find it kind of ironic because, I, yes, I like to try all the new toys and etc. However, I'm a very old school method reef keeper and I like to keep it, you know, the KISS method, keep it simple, you know? And so basically, I feel that every machine or me mechanism that you put into your system, that's just one other method for your tank may possibly fail. Or if I do put anything, I have to have a redundancy in place. So right now, I mean, like I have everything in redundancy either with the controller or I just keep everything as simple as possible. Because more stuff like, you know, more dosers, more this, and just putting everything together, it's just more possibility of things for you possibly to fail. Because I mean, you know, like all these things, especially in salt water, nothing is last forever. It's it's just a matter of when, you know, and if you miss out on maintenance or something like that, which let's admit it, let's be fair, and, you know, like we all miss a maintenance or two or we don't keep up as much as we should. And that's very easy for us to, you know, cause our tank, tank to crash. Yep. Uh, I totally agree with you. I, I, I have the same philosophy. I really like to keep things simple. I don't like a lot of moving parts. I think the more moving parts you have, the more uh, chances there are for something to go wrong. So um, I do believe in technology, though. I think controllers are very, um, you know, valuable to, to keep track of a tank. But um, I don't like to lean on a controller um, too much. You know, so if, if yeah. uh, you know, so I have a, um, a GHL cage director and I monitor my alkalinity. I only do one test per day with that, but um, you know, I, I don't have the control function set up on that. So, like, if, if the numbers start trending a certain way, I don't have a, the function set up where it would automatically change the dosing to adjust the alkalinity. I just kind of like to get the feel for it myself. Look at, you know, I, I'll look at the numbers, I'll look at the trend. But um, yeah. I don't want to go yeah. too overboard with the technology, even though it is available. Yeah. 
No, I completely agree with you. You know, same thing with the controller. And, you know, like I have invested a lot into a controller into my system. And even with that, I don't fully just depend on that. Because what if one day Apex were to, their server were to fry or something? Or what if my power bricks go bad or something? You know, then then I'm pretty much stuck, you know? So I have uh, wave, you know, wave, making, uh, wave makers on a different outlets, not on Apex. Or, you know, like it's just few things, you know, that, that could, you know, potentially, like, like, even if I'm not home for a whole day, it will still be okay. Yep. Like, you know, for me to come back next day. Yep. So I, I have it in a certain way so that redundancy is so important in this hobby because it's some, you know, like I said before, any, any kind of uh, mechanical stuff in our system, you know, salt water is just so damaging and it's, it's just a matter of if, I mean, matter of when it would, it would just die. No, die. So, <laughs> it's so redundancy. It's, so, it's so good, so good to have in this place. I think. You know, I had a, um, I had a pump in my 55-gallon saltwater makeup drum that I had since 2006 that crapped out on me finally this past weekend. It lasted since 2006, and I didn't perform any maintenance on wow. that thing. So, uh, you know, yeah. it was about time, I guess. But that was like a mag. Uh, 12 right, right. pump or something crazy like that. But uh, that's not the lesson here, though, right? The lesson is to do your maintenance and to really stay on top of the equipment. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Right, right. Hey, actually, we got a question from Roman's Reef. He's, he's got a question. Have you had any experience with the Red Sea Reefer 90-watt LED? Have you, have you had a chance to try that out? Red Sea Reefer one? I actually saw them at the show. Um, if you look at the actual chip of the LEDs, it's actually the top uh, style LED. You know, it's a multi-chip. It's very different from the traditional LEDs that's found in the market. And you will see that kind of uh, chip on Kessel. It's a very uh, similar style, except the optic is slightly different. But, I mean, those are nice. And those have better shimmers than the traditional diodes that they have, you know, the regular LEDs. But, I mean, yes, I think you lack a little bit of uh, color, per se. Depends on the diodes. I haven't really dived dip, dip into that whole multi-chip section yet on the Red Sea one. But traditionally, I like to have a different separate diodes. So I know exactly what's, what's on the chip. Yeah, I tell you, I have um, I've still resisted the LED um, trend. I mean, it's not a trend anymore. Pretty much everybody's using LEDs. And, you know, I, I like to keep SBS yeah. dominant reef tanks, but if I do get another tank, I think I'm going to have to take that uh, plunge into the LED world. And, and uh, you know, listen, I've, I've, yeah. I've seen others uh, tanks with, with the LEDs, and obviously people have a lot of success with them. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm an old school reefer, so it's, it's tough for me to break away from those yeah. tried and true 400 watt metal halides. They grow uh, acropora like weeds. Yeah. Right, right, right. But I mean, you better suck on those uh, those bulbs because they're getting harder and harder to find now. <laughs> I know that's what worries me. That's what really does worry me. Yeah. So, Richard, let's 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 get into what you do for the uh, reef keeping industry. Like like I mentioned, you have a, a multiple roles, and um, so you have the uh, the aficionado channel. You also do work for reefs.com. Right. You also do work for Reef of Palooza, the trade shows, and all that stuff. You want to just talk about all those things? Sure. Uh, so basically, I, okay, Aficionado Channel is how I started into the hobby, and that's how a lot of people uh, got to know me as. Um, but then I was hired by Reefs.com because they liked the contents that I was putting out. So now I work with them uh, to put out different types of contents. I basically folded uh, my own channel for the benefit of Reefs.com because they had much broader audience. 
And for me, it wasn't about making money from YouTube or making, you know, stuff like that. It was more of a, I wanted better reach so that people would be educated and will have a better, uh, I guess, understanding, a better success on repeat. That's why if you looked at my videos for first five or six years, I didn't appear in front of any of my uh, film. And a lot of the vendors were kind of like, especially Terrence and Neptune Systems was always on my case. <laughs> you have to be in front of your thing. You have no brand identity. I was like, what brand? You know, but I got on there so that I could get familiar with uh, people and they could get familiar with me. So if, and when they see me at trade shows or et cetera, they could ask me any kind of questions and such. Um, so I got into reach.com through that and I do write articles and I do videos for them once a week or bi-weekly. Um, articles are much more frequent. And uh, for Reefapalooza, uh, I was hired from their first year at Orlando show. And I cover basically everything on the, every, every show except California show. California is, I covered it last year. This year, I'm not sure yet, but because uh, of all the COVID and everything like that. But mainly I usually cover uh, all the shows, um, trade shows so that we could, I mean, you know, like these trade shows are so great for the hobby and it's just so interesting. And I'm just, I just feel very fortunate that, that Lou and Vic and the whole uh, Worldwide Coral team, as well as the, uh, you know, Greg Carroll and the, the whole California team feel confident enough to hire me to represent their show and, you know, represent all the vendors out there. And what I do over there is that I try to show to the, the people that's not able to make the show what product is coming out new, what coral is trending, and what kind of aqua uh, escaping style is, you know, now more relevant to our hobby. And then, you know, just different tips and tricks in the hobby that you or other people would not have been aware until that video may have come out. So, it, you know, in terms of your years covering the trade shows, what stands out in your mind over the last uh, few years in terms of new product releases? What uh, what kind of comes to mind, top of the top of mind there in terms of things that really kind of made made you kind of like, wow, that's something. Well, the, well, the I think last five years, five years um, possibly even ten years, like the most revolutionary, I think, has to be Trident. Because thing is that, like I said before, I'm very old school style reefer, and you know, I mean, I'm sure you are too, because you know, you're the tank of the month at the Reef Central. You know, I mean, that's that's the old school stuff right there. You know, I mean, like the holy trinity of reef you know, alkalinity, calcium, and magnesium. You know, those are the the top three that you check as a old reef keeper at all times. And for them to come out with a machine that that calculated all of those things and with such a good success, you know, with accuracy and consistency, it's, it's, I mean, I think for me, that just stood out to me like tremendously. And I mean, there's so many different products out there too, but I mean, it's just, it's like, it's, it's hard to really pinpoint, but I mean, if we just had to pinpoint one or one, like in, one in general, I think that would just stand out to me. So in, in terms of Reef and Palooza, they, they've already canceled the June show in New York, right? Because of the COVID-19? Um, actually, it was, it was postponed. It was postponed. Okay. Um, Orlando one, yeah, Orlando one was uh, April, and then Orlando got postponed to September. And the New York one was uh, was June, then it got postponed to December. And I believe Chicago is still uh, where it's supposed to be at. I think it's October. But, you know, as, as 
you know, I mean, it will, it may change depending on the situation, the situation with this virus. Man, I really hope that, um, you know, it's, it's always good to see you. I always see you at the, uh, the June uh, show in New York, Reef and Palooza, but, uh, right. yeah, it's just, I think it's, 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 uh, it's a tough thing, but obviously a lot of people are going through some very, very tough times, but it's, it's just a really strange world right now. The things that you kind of look forward to, you know, six months, eight months, 10 months out, you're kind of like thinking, geez, is that going to happen? And uh, it's it's a it's I'm sad not. thinking about it. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, I miss all my friends. I don't get to see them as much as I want to. And these these trade shows are are a good place for you to get together. You know, spitball some ideas together, and you know, just just you know, like because you know, like you get to meet you know, like I get to meet people like you. I get to meet people like Julian or Sanjay and stuff like that. And just having a beer with them, and just you know, sitting in the bar and just spitballing ideas. I mean, just ideas, just ideas that just come out of their mouth. Sometimes I'm like it just blows my mind and i miss that you know I, I i even at this age you know like i i love learning about this this hobby because you're you never know everything in this hobby and you know like just hanging out with uh expert reef you know reef keepers and gurus and you know just proven professionals like yourself you know it's just it's such a treat for for a guy like me who just loves to learn so you and it's go ahead yeah so, I mean, yeah, so I mean, it's just something that I miss tremendously about the show. Yeah, no, for sure. So you mentioned uh, Julian and Sanjay, and and you've uh, I know you you hang out a lot with Julian. You guys are close by in Florida, or at least you're uh, you're you're semi close by. I'm not exactly sure how far away, but uh, what's what's rubbed off on you from from those guys in terms of lessons you've taken away from them? I mean, those are like reef keeping legends. Oh yeah, uh, Julian is a is a very good friend of mine. He lives maybe like twenty minutes from me, and uh, you know his his family and my family are good friends, so we go out for food all the time. But uh, Julian, I mean, he's nothing but you know like an inspiration. You know, like I mean, he's been you know like I think it's you know widely accepted as a, he's the godfather of our hobby. You know, he brought so many firsts into our hobby. You know, he's the first one in the United States to bring Cockwasser. He's the first to bring Duncan Pearls to the United States. States, as, well as, as well as many different stuff. types of you know stuff, and you know like, and, you know, like he's been into it he's been into it since what like seventies, yeah, like early eighties, and even to this day, even to this day, you know, he's still experimenting, trying to learn new things, you know, and like for example, last week we we're talking about designer corals, like actually like like biologically DNA altering corals to change pigments. I mean, how cool, I mean, how cool is that kind of stuff, you know? I mean, like, he wants to do so many different types of experiments. I'm like, wow. It's just stuff that comes out of his mouth is just mind-boggling. Yeah, that's, that's pretty far out. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's good to hear that people are thinking about that in terms of how to innovate on the livestock side. I think you, you see a lot of, I don't know, obvious innovations on the equipment side in terms of the last few years. But, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of like you got some mad scientists out there that are kind of trying to think about, uh, you know, what the, the next big thing is going to be in terms of corals. And, and certainly captive raised yeah. and, and aquaculture is, is a big, big thing now. And back when I got into the hobby, it was all pretty much wild caught corals. And then, then you got the maricultured corals that came along and, and, um, but, right. uh, you know, for this hobby to be sustainable, you really got to have, you know, that, that kind of innovation in, in terms of the, uh, the captive raised stuff. So it's, that's really, really interesting to hear. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like you said, you know, um, what's amazing to me right now is that you know that Acapulco is on once a year. Like usually, you know, like like full moon time and stuff like that. They 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 usually do it towards the end, like you know, end of the year or like a mid, like during the fall time of the year. And they do that once a year. And then now we have it down to a, a science where people are on in chorus four times a year using LEDs. Wow. So it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. You know, it's incredible. And they're creating these type of super corals, which could withstand much um, higher temperature, uh, more acidic waters. Um, so that, you know, like if in case, you know, like if things of Great Barrier Reef gets wiped out, and then if they have the same genus of corals from, let's say, from Philippines, Singapore, or whatever, if the government allows it, then they could plant it over there and then it could happen, or it could drive in a much success, higher success of survival. It's something interesting, very interesting things that's going around. I mean, it's just, like you said, you know, like aquaculture and stuff like that right now is definitely the way to go. Yeah. So being in Florida, you, you have... Um, you're, you're, you're lucky in that there's a lot of different, um, you know, folks like Julian and there's a lot of businesses in Florida. I mean, you, you get around pretty good, right, in terms of being able to talk to different people and to uh, tour different uh, facilities. How's that uh, helped you out in terms of what you've been uh, doing for, you know, Reese.com and, and, and what have you and just the knowledge that you've been picked up? I mean, Florida is a really kind of a hotbed that in California, right, for reef keeping? Right, right. I right, right. I always tell all my friends over here that because people don't know unless they leave the state how blessed we are to be in Florida. I mean, I call this place like the mecca of reef keeping because I mean, you have Julian over here. We used to have Tony Vargas maybe 30 minutes away from here as well. He's another old school guy. And then we have New Life Spectrum hour away. You know, like we have ORA three hours away. We have Biota 20 minutes away. You know, and then like we have so many different type of places around here. Like Labs, uh, pro aquatics, and like just, just, just so many big names around the hobby, and it's just all here in this state. And it helped me out tremendously because I'm actually able to drive to all these places, even though I don't like to drive so far. But I was able to go and visit these facilities, like in person, and then check them out, and then. How they, see how they see how they actually treat animals and how they actually do everything so I can kind of apply it to what I do as well as, you know, give advice to fellow uh, people, uh, hobbyists on, you know, like this is how they do it professionally and this is how, what you could take out of that. Talk, talk about Worldwide Corals. I mean, they just opened up a new superstore. What, um, what's your impression of that facility? It looks pretty awesome. Man, it is really awesome. And you know, it's funny, um, Worldwide Corals, I knew Lou and Vic ever since they first opened up their store. Their store was very tiny. It was on a, like a two by fours. Like, you know, everything, all the stand was two by fours. And it looked like, a, you know, like, you know, like it was like a, like a, almost like a little bit above Raj level. But I mean, it, it had that very homely feel. But this superstore feels like almost like, I don't know, Costco. <laughs> Costco of beekeeping. I mean, it's just everything and every everything is. I mean, I mean, one thing that I really like about them, and one thing that I think it led to their success, is their attention to details. Because yeah. you know, like if you go to any store, you'll see thick water bats everywhere. You see water bats for you know RODI, you see the water bat for salt water. You know, but I mean, they wrap these things in you know the salt water that they carry and stuff. I mean, they just made things very. You know, pleading, look, pleading to the eye. 
you know, it's they just make that shopping experience so much better, uh, you know, instead of just, you know, just looking at this regular old vats, you know, and then they made a section, you know, with a whole bunch of TVs and educational uh, things about the products constantly, you know, just on a repeat so that, you know, people are like when they're trying to make a purchase or trying to make that educated decision on what to buy, they have options and they, they education is right in front of them. So, I mean, I, I kind of like that. No wonder your nano tank is looking so good. You got so many uh, great options to go and cherry pick corals there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm definitely very, very fortunate. Um, you know, having uh, doing this for close to a decade, I made some really amazing friends. Like I said earlier, everybody just embraced me with open arms. And you know, like when I was, I was like, okay, guys, I'm, I need to put up a tank together. Uh, this is what I can get. What, what, can, what can you guys help me with? And they, they've been just you know, the, what do you want to do with it? And then we just, I just went to you know, three, four different people and then just fill out the tank very easily. And it just, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming with love. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. All right, I got, I got a few rapid fire questions for you. What does your dream tank look like? My dream tank. Okay, I'm gonna unveil it officially now with you, Keith. <laughs> um, during this Reef of Palooza in September, uh, my dream tank will be unveiled at Elo's booth. Oh wow! Okay. Yes, you heard it. You heard it first here on Reef. So we're we're not getting a preview right now, I guess. Um. Well. I guess all I could say at this point is their largest tank, the already manufactured tank, uh, which is Elo's 200XL. That's 250-gallon tank. That's a peninsula-sized tank. Uh, one thing that I really like about Elo's is that, I mean, it's their 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 glass. You know as you know, well as I do. All gla glasses are not all same. Quality of the glass is very different by companies and such. Low iron, you know, usually is the highest standard on what we have. But Elos, I think they stand on top of a lot of different brands in terms of that. And then they manufacture, they produce all the glass and such from Italy, and then they ship on a container to South Carolina over here. So I'm, really so I'm really excited to see the quality uh, of, their of, of their manufacturing abilities from Italy to see and, and, and have a furniture grade uh, stands and everything to my house. And um, if you follow uh, Kyle Elders, uh, he's under uh, Adapted Reef, and he's featured regularly on Reef to Reef, and he'll be doing uh, my stand to have my whole my control panel, etc. Uh, my control panel was one of the first control panels that that was mounted on the wall and then you know like it had a full apex and whatever tablets and such it was on the magna uh magna talk for safety and such with Matt, uh, austin the third from yep yeah and it was also featured in marine depot and drs and such but uh yeah i mean he's gonna create something special for me so this is gonna be my dream tank you know like it's, it's funny because every time you feel like you have something and you're like oh man okay this is gonna be the tank and after you got it you there's you there's always something new pointers that you pick up afterwards and like okay next tank yeah, you're do always, this. You're, and hopefully, you're always plotting yeah right 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 so i think years of learning and years of picking up pointers from setting up my friends tanks or people people's different tanks and etc i think this is gonna be my ultimate dream tank. well i am officially jealous and i'm looking forward to seeing the progress of that tank boy that sounds awesome
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll keep you posted. All right. Another, <laughs> another quick question. What's your favorite fish? Wow. That's, wow. That's, uh, that's asking which child is your favorite, but, <laughs> but, um, okay. So if I had to choose, okay, I like, I like a lot of different types of fish, but it's right now fish that I always go back to is an angel fish because they're big, they're graceful, they're very graceful. Um, but you know, like if you want to keep reef, um, you can only keep certain type of angel fish. And Genocanthus is the only species that you really have, really have that's acceptable widely as a reef safe angel. And uh, Genocanthus semifasciatus, or Japanese swallowtail angel fish, is one of my favorite angel fish uh, to this date. And, uh, and I know that these are like now a lot cheaper now, but I do have to go with tangs. I really like the gem tangs. Um, I, when I first got into the hobby, I saw this, I mean, I guess it's re irrelevant now, but I mean, when I went to a wholesale facility, I saw this first time when I, about 10 years ago, and it was like at wholesale price was 2000 Wow. But I mean, yeah, I know, but I mean, you can see the prices now, it's plummeted now. Thank you, plummeted RVS. Yeah. But, uh, man, it's, it's so much, um, cheaper, but still then, you know, like, you know, like you have this, um, I guess this um, adoration for that fish and it never really faded with me. So I'm, this new tank, one of the few fish that I'm going to put in is Tibifasiatus uh, that I have in my old tank as well as a new gem tank. And um, I like from, I like fish from different breed. Like I, I try to keep as many different types of fish as possible. And people think I'm crazy, but I also have a nine inch trigger in my wow. tank. That's big trigger. Yeah, I have a cross hatch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, um, Keith. You know, you may know him from RC. Uh, uh, this guy, he used to be a, a, a reef tank of the month in our reef central as well. You know this guy named Ching Chai? Yeah, yeah, from yeah. Thailand? Sure. He had a, yeah. Right. Me and him used to talk a lot, and uh, you know, he used to hand feed his fish. We used to FaceTime each other, and he used to have a crosshatch trigger, and I fell in love with it. Does he? And ever since then. Hmm? Go ahead. What are you thinking? Now, go, go finish your story. I was going to say something, but uh, go finish your story. Sure. Uh, okay. So Ching Chai was showing me his crosshatch trigger eating from his hand. And I was, uh, when the Hawaii was closing, I had this fear of missing out on one of my favorite fish. So I put up feelers out there that I wanted a crosshatch trigger. Right, and then I got a call from representative uh, representatives of Hassan Whiteside, a professional NBA basketball player. ATM, yeah, ATM did a tank install in their house, and the male trigger was going after the female, and he wanted to take out the male. And I was like, "Are you sure? Because if you take out the female, then male will be okay. He'll be mellow." Yeah. And he's like, "No, no, no. He's the aggressor. I want to take him out." I was like, "Okay, you don't have to twist my arm for it. I'll take it." <laughs> so we worked out a yeah. So we worked out a deal, and I I was able to get that fish. And I was like, "But I need to upgrade my tank." That's where Elo stepped in. But yeah, but that that it has to be my favorite uh, uh, trigger fish. So you mentioned Ching Chai. Does he still have the the tank, or did he break that down? I haven't. He hasn't really been present on Reef Central for a while, right? 
Yeah, he's not present that much in uh, recent show. He actually took that tank down. Um, when his father passed away, um, he actually opened up a seafood restaurant um, that his father went to do before. He opened one up and he moved the tank over there and kept it as a fish-only tank. And I believe he only kept a nano tank at his house for that peppermint angel. Yeah, that was probably one of the most amazing tanks I had ever seen. And I think it was probably the most popular build thread on Reef Central for probably years. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. My, my uh, aquascape right now was inspired by his. He had that three columns of rocks with the, you know, this bonsai-esque rock. And that's what I wanted to recreate. So that's what I did with my tank. Yeah, it was kicking. So, all right, what's your favorite coral? Oh man, uh, that's really hard. But uh, if I had to say, um, I really, really love donut corals, like uh, Acanthophilias. Reason why is because just like fish, it has such a great feeding response. And uh, I, everybody that knows me personally know that I'm very heavy-handed when I feed. And uh, I love the fact that with this one, I could feed so much. You know, like I could just make a thick taste of a, you know, like a coral frenzy you know, powder and just lay on top of it and you can just see it just open up real quick and just swallow all that up or even their pellet food, TDO pellets, and they just gobble it up. And it's just fun experience to show my little kids uh, to see how everything is alive. Because, you know, like for as a kid, you know, it's hard for them to, I guess, imagine these corals being alive. They look more like plants, you know? But, you know, for them to open up like that and have it, that kind of feeding response and for them to, you know, show different type of things. And I show the time lapse as well because I'm able to, you know, we're able to easily do that with our cameras and our phones. And, you know, they, when they see it, they're like, they realize, wow, these are actually animals. And so, I mean, those are my favorite type of corals. Yeah, a lot, a lot of folks like moving corals. I mean, I, I happen to be in love with Acropora and SPS, but I've, I've got a lot more LPS in my, my tank uh, than I've ever had in the past. And people kind of get drawn to those because of the motion. Right, right, right. right, right. You know, Acropora is beautiful and I, and I love Acropora, don't get me wrong. But I think what I really like about Acropora is the challenge. Because, you know, like Acropora is apex of our hobby. You know, like if you keep, if you can't keep Acro, then you can, Keep anything, yep. you know. And I just, I think I like the color of acros as well as I mean. But I also like as as much as I like the color and growth of acros, I like the challenge of yep. it. All right, my last uh, rapid fire question for you, Richard. If you had to pick one piece of equipment to have as a backup, what would what would that piece of equipment be? You needed redundancy. Um. Right, 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 right. Um, I would say wave makers. The wave makers. Yeah, because not not everybody is like me because I'm a I use an insane amount of flows in my tank. I have, like I said, I right now have six powerheads, you know, like just running insane amount of water in my in my tank right now. But a lot of people usually have one on one side and one on the other side, or maybe two on just one side, just going in this way, you know. So if one were to go bad, or like let's say like a power strip on one, you know, like they get surged and both of them just dies. You just need one to just get things moving until the step, another parts or repairs or spare parts come in. So it's always good to have water moving. And that has to be one of the most important things, I think. So we have, um, we have another question from Roman's Reef. He is asking, I assume it's he, Roman. Apologize if you're not a he. Um, what are the four key components 
that will make you a successful mm -hmm. reefer? Four components. Four components. That doesn't okay. have to be four. Um, I think so it's just what, what do you think are the most important components? So for four most important things. Okay, so I'm just going to go basic. You need good lights. I mean, you know, photon is photon, but you need to have adequate lights of animals that you want to keep. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be brand specific, but you have to provide the right spectrum and your intensity have to be great. And you need to have a good powerhead to, or in wave maker to provide that, that those type of flow or gyre motion of flow that these animals can thrive in, you know, because, you know, like a lot of people keep mixed reef and, you know, like toxic warfare is a real thing here. And you don't want a mucus of a toadstool landing on top of a, like, you know, acropora and just sit there because you'll kill it. You need constant thrashing water movement to move that all to your filtration section, section so you can get rid of it, you know? And I guess a good mechanical filtration, um, I'm going to say protein skin. You need to have a, you know, effective pro protein skimmer to remove all the, you know, organics, inorganics, and just move all the, I guess, the poop out of the water, you know, to polish your water. And fourth method, I mean, you know, I, I can't stress enough um, what's the most important thing in saltwater reef keeping is the water. <laughs> you know, you need, to keep, you, you need to keep your water pristine. And I can't stress that enough. And, you know, like this, this may sound unconventional and but I know, I know, Keith. You you also keep uh, algae in your system. Uh, I think you have a pexabellum, right? Yep. And I, I've also used a uh, refugium. Yep. A Kato. I've got Kato in my system. Yep. Right. 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 I'm a huge uh, uh, believer of you know like algae uh, reactors. You could either go with the pexabellum and grow you know potatoes, or you could go with algae scrubbers and grow turf algae. Whichever one is up to you. I mean, but these are such an excellent way to remove uh, nutrients out of your uh, out of your system. And I mean, it's old school method, but I mean, it works. And you don't really have to worry about things going wrong with that one, because I mean, it's just water going in and water going out, and that's it, you know. And it's just, you know, it's nature's way. And if if it works for nature, it works for us, right? That's that's my thing. No, that's great advice. I, you know, when when I first got into the hobby, I was uh, using GFO. I think like a lot of people were using um, GFO years ago because it was really easy to use. It um, did the job in terms of pulling out phosphates in a reef tank and. And it, uh, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, um, it was easy to uh, swap out the GFO every few weeks. And, but the problem with using GFO is that it also strips out valuable trace elements, which is not good. And if you right. use too much yep. and you have, um, use it too suddenly, it could, um, you know, cause your uh, SPS and other corals to, to um, you know, get, um, you know, pissed off. So it's, it, it was something that I switched from. I used to uh, use it, and now I uh, use Kato. And whether it's the algae reactor or refugium, it's I do believe that natural is the best way to go in in terms of nutrient reduction. And I think you also have a lot more control, right? Because when you're using uh, macroalgae, you can adjust the uh, the photo period for that macroalgae. So if you need to ramp yeah. up or down the nutrient um, removal, then you can do that with the light cycle. You could also run the uh, the lights on a reverse light cycle for your display tank. So you can you can help elevate the yeah. uh, the pH during those darker um, you know during the um, 
um, the lights are out. So it's there's there's a lot of benefits, and yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think going natural is key. I also um, I'm a firm believer in using um, at least some live rock in a new system versus just starting at 100% dry rock. I think that um, I did that for the first time a few years ago, 100% dry rock, and I just uh, had a lot of issues yeah. with it. So I think that um, live rock even though it's very, very hard to come by these days and you can't do really as uh, mm -hmm. neat of things in terms of the aquascaping, I think it's vitally important. And um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I understand why it's not uh, readily available. For my last tank, I was actually able to score some Haitian live rock from an, LA, an LFS yes. in uh, Orlando called, I think, in Orlando, yeah, C. Right, right. Reef, I think was the, uh, the name of it. And um, yeah, Marcy's yeah. Marcy Mar Mar Yeah, so, you know, and I took that stuff back home in the plane with me back to Vermont. <laughs> and it was, I, I felt like yeah. it was a major score to find some live rock like that. It's just not that easy to find oh, yeah. in here. So, yeah, I think the old, that's an important yeah. thing to go uh, natural when, when you can. I, I, I definitely agree with you on, on, on live rock. Um, I actually have a certain part of uh, my sump, and that's where I put my all my live rocks in there. And I'll, I'll switch it out every once a year, every other year, or something like that. Because, you know, microfauna is something that shouldn't be overlooked. And, you know, some things only come from live rock. You know, like if you can't really replicate that, because, you know, you can't really, you don't know what to put in there, you know? And live rock will have it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for, for the new tank that I'm considering, I, I, I think I mentioned this, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what you were talking about before, like a bonsai aquascape, very minimal aquascape, and I think the majority of my uh, rock will be in a sump or a separate um, container that's plumbed into the, uh, the sump, and that'll be the biological filtration, and, and then, um, you know, that, that leaves it open to doing some really neat aquascapes with... Uh, with what the dry rock in the main display and your biological bed will be in that sump. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. And, and you know, with your abilities and, you're, you know, you're, I mean, you're, you're a proven aquarist, so I, I'm, I'm, you're looking very much forward to what you have and draw some inspiration from you. Well, I tell you, I, I don't have any room left in my, my 187 gallon tank, so I got to do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. You know, every once in a while that uh, my tank just overgrows out, you know, like like I have abundance of corals that just, just grow out of control. I'll just chop them all up. And then luckily, because Biota is right next to me or, you know, like I have a lot of uh, you know, reef club members like, you know, near me, I just, just donate them. Because Biota is all about 100% aquaculture stuff. So I wanted to give them enough samples so that they could just start offering it. Yeah, I did that. At, so, you know, it worked out yeah, very well. I did that at the... Um... The last Manhattan Reefs uh, frag swap this past fall, I brought a bunch of uh, corals I donated to the uh, to the club, and and uh, they hadn't had one of those swaps in a in a couple of years. And geez, I I hope they can have yep. one coming up soon again. But uh, yeah, now it's always great to be able to do that. So so Richard, um, I don't want to keep you much longer. Do you have any uh, last uh, words, words of wisdom for the folks out there in terms of just you know, tips in terms of reef keeping or any, any insight into the future in terms of new products and things that we might want to be on the lookout for? Man, you know, like it's, uh, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when you, because, you know, like Keith, you're like the type of person that I, I looked up to when I was first starting my hobby and my journey with reef keeping. So it kind of feels kind of like really like, odd for me to say like you know like these are the wisdom you know the pearls of wisdom you know but <laughs> if i could say maybe um 
I guess one, a couple of different products that you could be uh, keeping an eye on is this. Um, you know, like if you follow the trends of, of this hobby, um, what's been going on and what's been trending is automation, right? And what's been very popular these days is um, automation on testings. And a lot of different companies have been coming out. Pacific Sun came out with certain things, but it kind of died down a little bit. Uh, GHL came out with uh, KH Director, and now they're coming out with the Ion Director. So that's something that's very new. Um, hopefully, it will come out soon. They said that it was supposed to come out in Q1 of this year, because, but because of COVID, everything got pushed back and delayed a little bit. Um, but it should be something to look forward to because these Ionic probes, um, they're very promising. And it'll be very cheap to maintain over the years. Um, they said the probe, individual probe is like maybe like $20, $30, right? So it should be very interesting to to see how that works out and to have all the parameters that you usually check automatically check for you. And uh, this company called Mastertron, uh, Focustronic is coming out with this product called Mastertronic. Uh, that's the same thing. Uh, but the difference of this one is if GHL has their own reagent bottle, um, this one uses the, the ones that's already out available in the market, just like uh, Reefbot for Reef Kinetics. They use Reef Red Sea, Salifert, API, or whichever brand that they're good with, whatever works well, that the brand that you trust, you could use their reagents and then test automatically and log everything into our data. And if you wanted to do adaptive dosing, like you mentioned earlier, they could dose for you automatically or, you know, like it will basically tell the run, you know, like run future light, you know, like up to this, this time to reduce phosphates, you know, but I mean, it's, it's newer stuff are coming out. The, the trend is, I believe is uh, testing, auto testing. And so far, those two are the one that's really standing out to me right now. So that's Ion Director and Mastertronic. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good to hear. It, it, you know, technology is, uh, is your friend in reef keeping, that's for sure. So listen, anyway, Richard, yeah. thank you so much, man, for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it, and I hope uh, to see you in uh, December at uh, Reef of Palooza in New York. Yes, sir. And well, thank you for having me, sir. It's, it's always it's always a pleasure to see you. And uh, like I said, I wanted to see you in December, and then uh, hopefully you could instill instill some more uh, wisdom towards me. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Well, listen, hey everybody, thanks for uh, for tuning in for uh, the uh, the episode this week, and and I hope to be back next week with another interesting show. So tune in then. Till then, adios.